Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. So episode 99, as well, per usual, it is a Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time here in Texas. We had some uh, some cloud coverage, so it's not super, super hot, but we're not running the fan tonight. We wanted to see if it cuts down on the noise for you guys. So if it looks like I'm perspiring a little bit more, it's not just because of the fact that I'm talking to Zach Osborne. Even though he is quite the superstar when it comes to Supercross and Motocross, I, I try to keep contained and not freak out with him as I would with someone like, say, Kurt Caselli. Um, so, of course, you're tuning in. What are you watching? Oh, my gosh, what is this guy doing on the couch? So this couch is the Seat Time couch. The Seat Time is the, uh, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. We're the beer drinkers and the bench racers. We love to talk about anything that goes on in the off-road world, especially racers where we could talk about the results, upcoming things that they've done, things in the past, um, how you can support Seat Time. Uh, one very, very fine way is seattime.bigcartel.com. Um, with that, you can go purchase some of our koozies and some of our pint glasses. Uh, I actually have some friends' koozies from some of their stuff tonight, which I'll be uh, showcasing throughout the show as they sit here. And then, of course, uh, the pint glasses are 20-ounce proper pint glasses, if you will. 16-ounce pint glasses are for people that don't know how to actually enjoy a real beer. So go, and uh, Zach Osborne should know about that in the sense that being that he raced in Europe for a while, they drink proper pints over there. So 16 ounces of beer, 4 ounces of head, 20-ounce glass. That's kind of the way it works out. Fly Racing. Huge, huge supporter of Seat Time. Fantastic that they're uh, such a great sponsor. And uh, Powersport Graphics as RidePG.com. Um, can't thank them enough for their support. Go check them out. We'll talk about them a little bit more in the show. And then, where can you find Seat Time? If you're like, man, this guy's kind of entertaining. How do I listen or maybe follow this more? You would go to SeatTime.co is the website. You can find all the archives of the show. Or you can search for Seat Time. You can search for us on uh, YouTube iTunes and Stitcher. Um, all of those guys are ways that you can tune in. Of course, YouTube's going to be the video. iTunes and Stitcher are going to be the audio. Um, other than that, we've got the chat room. Uh, it's tlk.io slash seatime. And with that, you can uh, you can get in the chat room. And we've got our friend Zach Huberty in there, as always. And we really appreciate the fact that he's in there. He always has really good questions. And I think that that's fantastic. Uh, so we want to know what you want to know about you know from these riders and about these riders and the people we're talking with. So we're going to chat with Zach Osborne, and then we're going to chat with uh, Alan Stilwell in a little bit after the fact. So episode 99, let's kick it off, have some fun. Mr. Zach Osborne, how is your evening going, kind sir? Yeah, all good. I'm pretty tired. Uh, I had a big day today. Just finishing up some stuff before we go uh, across the pond on Saturday and uh, practice the tire changes today. And yeah, it was a good day, but now I'm pretty beat. Yeah, it is. Just as a as a professional celebrity, would you officially start off an interview with "I'm tired" and it's been a long day? Does that is that just kind of like a hint that I should keep it as short as possible? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I was just saying. No, 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 and, and, no. I, and, I, and, hey, we respect the fact that you guys are way better at what you do than we do. You know, we go to our jobs. You guys go to your jobs. I, I was up till four a.m. with my job. I went to sleep for three hours. I went and presented what I was up till 4 a.m. doing, and then I came home afterwards about 11, 11.30 and slept till 3. Now I'm up still doing seat time, enjoying a couple of beverages, talking with you guys on the internet because you guys are important to me. I love it. It's so much fun. So 
Let's talk about you for a little bit. We did talk to you earlier in the year after you showed up at Florida GNCC, the J-Day down there. And then, of course, you uh, carried that over to the, the, Super, uh, the Supercross in Daytona and then to the GNCC. So all kinds of crazy racing that you did there. Fantastic third places this past weekend. Unadilla, second place. GNCC racing seems to be something you're pretty darn good at. So was this Unadilla? Was this a practice like for the ISDE or you just like, man, I've been having fun. What's the, what's, what's motivated you? Um, the GNCC stuff for me is kind of a way to have fun. I always go with a group of my friends and, um, it's, it's a good way to, uh, yeah, gain a lot of fitness in one day and also just, um, put your name out in the off-road world. You know, uh, I, it gets a lot of attention because it's not something that, motocrossers do so often so uh it's it's a good way for me to like let my hair down a little bit and also to promote myself yeah no i think you're absolutely right one of the things that uh it's funny i was just reading a, uh, the uh, was a column in racer x by uh jason and he was talking about uh you know how enough riders don't really promote themselves and market themselves well enough to make it realize that results aren't the only thing that are going to help a rider continue a career and I think that you're already thinking about that. You know that you can't race Supercross and Motocross forever, but you could possibly race off-road for a lot longer. So maybe there's some strategy there that you're already kind of getting the name out, that you're a badass, and that uh, maybe if things come around, a little bit bigger teams come, that uh, you might be a hireable gun. And if not, you're just having fun. You're obviously uh, you're doing really good. One of the things that I was wondering, when we talked on uh, earlier in the year, when you did the early, t- the first two GNCCs and J Day, you were definitely on your practice bike. It was—I don't know if it was a completely on your own dime sort of thing, but say like this, going to Unadilla and then going to the ISDE later, you know, this year—is that something that you're doing on your own dime, or is Geico Honda, you know, your Supercross Motocross team, kind of helping out there? Um, obviously, they give me all this stuff to do it with, uh, the bikes and everything like that. But as far as getting there or bonus or something like that, there's nothing going on. It's just me for fun, and uh, it's out of my own pocket. Right. And then, um, so you're going to be on the trophy team. Um, which which class? Are you in the E2 class or the E1 class? Oh, uh, no, I'm in the E1. Okay. And that um, on the 250s. Okay, that was that was my next question, is if you were going to be riding the 250. Uh, versus the 450 so you'll be riding the 250 now obviously you've done fantastic this year on that bike so sixth overall um the west coast in the 2013 supercross uh monster energy supercross and then uh fifth overall uh in the 250 class for outdoors is is when did all of this i think i might go race the isde or someone has approached you to go race the isd when did all that kind of start for you uh throughout this year um, it was something that was kind of thrown out there a little bit last year because I was doing some off-road stuff. But then after um, Florida and Georgia this year and um, some good results during the season, it just kind of came to me and I expressed an interest that I was definitely keen to do it. So um, Auntie called me and we organized it all. And, um, you know, obviously the AMA doesn't pay for anything, so I had to do a bunch of fundraising and uh, had some – some sponsors of the team step up huge for me and and uh, make it all possible for me. 
Yeah. Uh, has there been any, uh, I don't know if flack is the right word, or maybe like in the pits shenanigans from team members or mechanics or anybody within the organization that's kind of like, so going to the off-road side of things? Like, you know, what's up with all this? <laughs> yeah, they do make fun of it a little bit because um, like my mechanic had to build my bike basically from scratch because I'm riding an R, not an X. So, okay. Um, ah, okay. It's been quite the project to get everything together but um in the end everyone was kind of on the bandwagon and, and helped out a lot so it's uh it's been a big turnaround and um a lot of people are a lot more interested in it now than when when we originally had the idea yeah i, I could i could i could imagine that because this is kind <clears throat> of that typical mentally that off season for a lot of people involved or, or i would say in the supercross kind of the motocross realm um so they're like oh you're gonna make me work i gotta do this oh my gosh so you said you're going to be on the R, not the X. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And is that mainly to make it easier to fit the fact that uh, the like the having the headlights and the, the stator and all that kinds of stuff, or is there a different reason that you're you're riding the R and not an X? The main reason to ride the R was because it's something that uh, my team's really familiar with, obviously, and we have a lot of good uh, knowledge and setting know like all the capabilities of the bike and everything so it was mainly just uh fitting a light kit to that and that was the simplest route for us because of the fact that we are so familiar with the bike and with the x we would be starting all over and have no data or anything so um the r was the most basic realistic choice for us right cool well i think that that's interesting because there's a lot of people wonder uh, what bikes are people going to choose? Especially in your case, it seems like you have the opportunity to possibly have uh, a choice. Um, so it's interesting on, on the reasons why you and, and your team kind of made that choice. I do have an awesome uh, question from the chat room from our friend George over in Florida. He's like, he knows that you've been outside kind of practicing more specific for these uh, for these these special tests and things like that. So what what have you been practicing? Anything specific or is it just out there doing fitness? He was like specific like, rocks or sand is there any kind of thought on how you've been attacking that um well we've been told that mainly uh everything's going to be dry and like square edge holes and fast and uh some rocks so it's nothing too gnarly so i've just been doing my normal thing um i haven't been riding a ton you know like i've just been doing the gncc and then uh, random stuff around here and uh trying to keep my fitness up but other than that i've been taking a little bit of time to recoup my body and go into this race fresh you know it's a long six days and uh there's a lot of riding so i'm just trying to go in as fresh as possible um just keep my skills polished up and not try to overthink everything yeah uh i think you've 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 definitely figured it out that sounds like a really smart thing to do uh being over there last year in germany and being able to talk with those guys in the morning quickly because they're they're blowing and going they really got to move and then talk with them in the evening you can tell that it's like after that day i mean they're they're up before sun they're going to sleep afterwards they're there's some tired dudes and it's it's aware on the body um when when you're kind of uh like what was uh, uh oh it was because so wear and tear on the body with motocross and supercross those seasons even though they seem short in the the months kind of thing i would imagine that too is is quite the wear and tear on the body so coming out of that 
Did you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually going to be going to six days? Or were you kind of looking forward to it and knew that it was still something you wanted to do? But now that it's getting cold again, um, I'm excited and I'm really looking to be all kinds of team really familiar with except for Taylor. So I know it's gonna be a good time. Also we're going to a really nice place so I mean we'll get the cool stuff. I've never been to Sardinia. I've been to Vegas Europe, so um it's gonna be a cool experience. Yeah. Um that's actually uh, interesting because my next kind of question was about the fact that you have spent a lot of time over in Europe, you know, when you were racing the GPs. Um, so, you know, with with all that experience that you have over there, does that do you think that that gives you any kind of advantage knowing like jet lag and bike setup and, and just the atmosphere? Or is, do you feel since you haven't really raced an ISDE that you're still just kind of a rookie all around? Um. In the world, but uh, definitely having been there a few times, it gives me an advantage. I'm not going into like you know culture shock and just have no clue what to expect. You know, I know what I'm getting myself into, and I have a good handle on everything like nutrition and all that there. So I'm not really super concerned about that. I can just focus more on the racing and uh, and the walking and all that before we get to the race so um i feel really prepared and uh yeah i, I don't know I, I mean i haven't really done a lot of special stuff for it so i can't really i really feel like i shouldn't feel super prepared but i do feel super prepared i just feel like um coming off of the supercross and outdoor season completely healthy and um getting a full season under my belt without injury it's brought me to a new level and i feel like my fitness will pay off when we're there and uh, my motocross skills and speed will bring, you know, something to the team. And hopefully hey, we can take home some gold medals. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are going to be focusing on that. They really want to see um, how you're going to do. And I think that this is probably going to be a very, very good um, arena for that. Uh, what it sounds like Sardinia is going to be like is something that you could actu- you could absolutely excel at. So I think it's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait to see how it goes down. And, of course, you know, somebody's just randomly calling our, our computer with Skype, so that's fun. We're just going to tell, tell them no. <laughs> Look at this. Alan Stillwell. He's like, I'm so ready to be online and on the Internet that I just want to go ahead and call in right now. It's like, man, what is, what is this? Why can't people realize that, that we're the professionals, that we're, this is our show? Right, Zach? I mean, what the heck? No, nobody respects us. So, okay, what is your 2014 going to look like, though? I think some of the fun questions are the fact it's like, are you with Geico again for next year? Are you going to be in the 250 class? You know, what side of the what side of the coast are you going to be racing on? All that kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, next year I'm back with Geico again. I was on a good deal when I came back from here, so I have another year year on that and. um possibly something after that with them so definitely for 14 back on geico honda for supercross and outdoors 
Nice. Um, anything besides, uh, so after the ISDE, you come back for a little bit. Are you going to be doing the Monster Energy Cup? I believe that that's a handful of weeks after the fact. Yeah, it's only 12 days after I get back. But, yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, we have, you know, like three or four days off plan and then uh, straight into 450 testing, which is um, going to be a little hectic. But, uh, you know, the Monster Cup doesn't really count for anything. It's just to go there and have fun and stay safe. So that's my plan for that. Nice. No, it's understandable. You got to you gotta stick with it. You got to make stuff happen, and that sounds like you're trying to do that. Uh, but, um, so, okay, I wish that I was going to be in Italy so that I could talk to you on a daily basis to kind of get your thoughts and input and stuff like that. Um, are you going to kind of keep any form? I know you've kind of, you know, cut yourself off from Twitter and a couple other bits just because of the fact you got a little too social. You're letting it ruin your life or run your life, if you will. Um, but are you going to kind of have any kind of update or journal or anything that people could maybe check in on while you're out, while you're over in Italy? Yeah, um, I just made a new Instagram and uh, I'll be posting stuff to that every day. And then also I got um, a story approved for Racer X. So I'll have a, like a diary in uh, I think the February issue um, of Racer X for, uh, you know, for the whole six days, everything that went on, good, bad, whatever. Um, and you can see my experiences through those two outlets. Fantastic. Well, I... I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I hope you the I wish you the best. Um I think that this is great that not only that you're an awesome fast dude that's coming into this, but that you're so stoked on it. I mean, you can tell that you know, you're going out racing your practice bikes and stuff like that at uh, the these GNCCs for fun. Um it's just awesome to see you so pumped up on being able to be a dirt bike racer and not like somebody who's just doing it for a salary. Um so Thank you for being one of those awesome dudes out there that uh, it's not just a job for them for sure. Um, well, dude, where? Okay, so you said you made a new Instagram. What's the Instagram account? If you have a website, please give us the shout out where anybody could maybe go possibly buy a shirt if they haven't yet for your uh, ISTE support, all that kinds of fun stuff. Uh, my Instagram is Zacho underscore 16. So Z A C H O underscore 16. And um, my shirts are for sale on eBay. Just. Uh, go on eBay, search Zach Osborne, and that's about it as far as fundraiser or anything like that goes. Um, it helps greatly appreciated, and thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, dude, no worries. We really appreciate you taking the time. We don't like to totally bombard and overload people, so we may not have you on until next year, but I won't lie. If you happen to be the top American, you're coming back on the show very quickly after you uh, come back from Italy. So I'm just forewarning you on that one, okay? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Hopefully that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree, dude. Well, good luck. Fly safe. You know, uh, Don't let the jet lag kick in the ass too much, and uh, if nothing else, have fun. Cool? Sounds good. Thank you very much. Yeah, dude. Take it easy. You have a good night. All right. So we're going to say peace to Zach Osborne. I thank that guy so much for coming on. He's such a fun dude to have on the show. Uh, I, I like how low-key and just kind of laid back he is, and so that's super fun. Always cool to talk, chat with him. Um, we're going to kind of, I guess, switch gears, if you will, over to uh, Alan Stillwell. So Steven's going to go ahead and pull him up, and we're going to figure out all that stuff. But, uh, of course, we have to say thank you, thank you very much to Fly Racing. Um for their support of seat time, one of the things I was looking through, uh, obviously Alan is watching the show because he is just ready to be on the show. One of the things that uh, 
that Fly has, has kind of prefaced to us is that, hey, our, uh, our drink systems with Usway have come in, and we really want to make sure that everybody realizes that those are out there. So with these Usway um, hydration packs, they're designed they're designed by Usway, and they're, like I guess, creatively made to look awesome by Fly Racing. So you can go get these there. They're Fly Racing Usway hydration packs. I think the design of the of the hydration pack is the best out there. the the Usway The Usway ones are awesome. Um, they fit great. They're super super comfortable and tight. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks to Off Road Champions for hooking me up with the one that I got from that. Um, please go check out flyration.com. Go to Moto in there, and then you can go to Hydration Packs, and through that you can see all the fun stuff they have. And uh, bam, it's going to be awesome. I can't say thank you to them enough. We'd love to get a discount code one day for them for everybody, but not yet. They have there's conflicts with that, so we're just trying to make it happen. So as we kind of switch over. There's a I, I was about to say older gentleman, but uh, you know he's just he's he's older than me, but he's not old per se. Uh, so Alan Stillwell has joined us for this evening. As we like to say, Mr. Alan Stillwell, how is your evening going? It's all good, dude. How you doing? Ah, uh, dude, fantastic. We just got done talking to Zach Osborne. Uh, dude's going over for his first ISDE. You know, he's done a lot of off-road racing. Obviously, huge in the Supercross and Motocross world. Um, and I think a lot of people are like stoked. They're they're intrigued. Like, what is this? How is he going to do? Uh, you know, guys like him and Ryan Sipes. So I mean, does it? I don't know how long or if you follow the ISDE and all that kinds of stuff, but do you have any kind of like thoughts on, on, on Zach Osborne and Ryan Sipes kind of being on the team this year? Yeah, I, I think he's going to do great. You know, I followed him uh, through the GNCCs, and we actually sponsor a couple of riders that have been very successful in ISD with Nicole Bradford, and this year Mandy Mastin's going for us. So, yeah, I follow it every day. I watch the live scoring and timing, and uh, – I personally think Zach's gonna kill it over there. He's uh, he's been real impressive in the GNCCs. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, we were chatting just a little bit about it earlier, but yeah, I mean technical difficulties here. Oh, that's okay. We'll we'll just uh, oh, and it, we didn't get a chance to preface it, but if for some reason we lose you, Stephen's gonna call you back. Just you know that way we don't butt heads and make stuff awkward. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be cool. We did so good in Florida, so good in Georgia. You know, two third places. And then uh, second at Unadilla this past weekend, so uh, or a uh, week and a half ago. So I think his opportunities are high, and he's going to have do it really, really good. So uh, Alan Stillwell, I think a big thing that a lot of people wonder is who are Alan Stillwell? And Alan Stillwell is actually he's the owner of Stillwell Performance, so they are in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, um, and through that he does a lot of suspension tuning. Um, he as well uh, has, you know, what is it? I mean, he has, it's a shop. They sell betas. They sell KTMs. They sell bikes and all that kinds of stuff. But one of the fun things is that, uh, like, the riders, he's a team manager for the beta team that do a lot of the enduro crosses and hard enduro here in the States and, of course, um, around the world. And through that, he works with Cody Webb and Max Gersten. We had Co- Cody Webb on just a little bit ago after he finally won the TKO. I say finally. Uh, he was so close the past couple of years, he just wasn't able to take out Mike Brown, and Mike Brown did not have the year that I think he wanted this year. And one of the things we got from Cody Webb when they had that conversation, or when we talked with him after that win, was how much work they did on the, his suspension for this year. Because he said the past two years, they had gone in with kind of an enduro cross suspension, and they were like, we need to figure this out more. And so that's where him and Alan kind of really, really tried to figure out 
how can we get a lot better suspension going? And through that, from what Cody Webb says, sounded like they completely hit the mark on the head, and that suspension was just baller. Um, so obviously, as you guys can't tell, I'm talking a little bit. We've got some technical difficulties, but I'm just kind of giving a preface for all this kinds of fun stuff and how's it going. See, we've got a couple people in the chat room. If you have anything you want me to, uh, to bring up, uh, go ahead and drop it in there. Um, I think what's fun, too, is a lot of people don't know. Uh, so KTM, when they came out with their linkage in, was it 12? I want to say 2012. Those linkage bikes, uh, they are harsh if you're doing any kind of off-road with that linkage, and you can catch it really bad. It sounds like uh, Stillwell had quite a fun experience and decided right then and there when he went over the handlebars that it was time for him to create some form of linkage guard. So for those of you who might have seen um, the off-road KTM team and a lot of other KTM riders out there running kind of what looks like an extension of their bash guard, that's exactly what he helped design and create through fa with Fastway, the guys over there. And apparently that is now coming out with a lot of other manufacturers. So, and then of course they do all kinds of fun suspension stuff. The betas, I think the betas are going to be very interesting the 2014 Zach Huberty and I were actually talking about this a little bit ago uh, earlier today is how awesome the new betas look. Um, they look great with Cody Webb and Cody Webb and Max Gerson riding in the past few years, but the 2014s that they've come out with look like some baller, baller freaking motorcycles. And I know that Zach Huberty also was super stoked on the new uh, two-stroke Shercos that are coming in. Says they're really good. I, I don't – my thing about the Shercos um, – the only thing, uh, they may ride great, but man, they just look like a 1998 Yamaha. And that just kills me. Like, I love how awesome the freaking, uh, how awesome KTMs look. They're so bold and edgy and stuff, and I don't want a bunch of rounded off stuff. So, you guys back? Yeah, we're back. We got your video. If you can't see us, I know that stuff's going a little crazy, but uh, we've got you, and we can hear you and see you, just your sexy self. So Here I am. Yes. All right. So I was just giving, as we were kind of going through that, I was giving a big preface of why we're talking to you. But So I want to give you a chance to sell me a little bit about Stillwell Performance. Kind of, You said it got started about 2006, um, and kind of how that all came about for you and, and your backstory. Yeah, we did. We we got started full time about 2006. You know, I've worked on suspension for man, I don't know how many decades, but uh, always had different companies do it, and really always just felt that I could do a better job. So, you know, I did a 20 year stint in the corporate world, like a lot of warriors, right? Flying to China and doing all this crazy stuff. So, hung up the suit and tie and uh, tested for a year, just uh, pretty consistently, Brian, and then uh, hung my shingle up and got started that way. Man, well, that's a that's a bold, bold move for sure. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm corporate like suit and tie, but I'm definitely, you know, out there at the uh, the eight to five for sure at the office and all that kinds of stuff. Uh, but I think one of the things when I was searching is that you did a lot of suspension work too. You were like the main guru on the was it Thumper Talk? Yeah, yeah, I was the suspension guy on or the expert on Thumper Talk for almost three years and uh, it was it was a good gig you know it it grew and became this monster though that as the business was growing so fast it was hard to keep up with everything and and Brian Bosch who owns Thumper Talks a good buddy of mine I've done his bikes for him and we just came to the conclusion that you know we just couldn't be in that many places at that many times so um, I'm still a contributor on there I've got a lot of docs and uh, you know contribute from time to time as I do on KTM talk but 
you know, it was just one of those things where there wasn't enough hours in the day. Like that's changed, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that twenty-four hours is still twenty-four hours, regardless of uh, either how big your paycheck is or uh, how much sleep you'd like to have, regardless of all that kinds of stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I see. Uh, is that any kind of a fun beverage, or are you just sipping on some lime juice? Well, I I was hoping to have my seat time mug, dude. I know. But, uh, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I, I, I don't know if you noticed, but my posts lately have been, holy shit, I just went to sleep at 3 a.m. And then I'm up the next day. We have had at work uh, some hella long hours. I was up till 4 a.m. this morning, and then I presented, and then I was done at about 11, and then I went home and slept till 3. And now I'm up, and I'm uh, <laughs> doing all this. So it's been, for me, I'm not going to lie, the past week and a half have been batshit crazy. But uh, now that hopefully... Fingers crossed and uh, quotes for sure. We will see if it slows down a little bit and I can actually get to the post office and ship you your mug. Very nice because we got some cold beverages that we're just dying to pour into those things. Oh, dude, and it's the best. I don't know. Like, I have to. I, I love talking about this because it's fantastic. And I wish I'd actually had one. I'm an idiot for not having one in here. Is they're they're twenty ounce pint glasses. So the, what they call is a proper pint is you can get sixteen ounces of beer and four ounces of head. Now, so that's 20 <laughs> ounces of beverage. Now, that is what the British call a proper pint. So when I was researching pint glasses to buy to get my logo on, I was like, oh, yes. There is nothing but yep. a proper pint for well, a pint full know, of awesome. We have, the, uh, we have the Enduro Cross end of the year party like looming in November. So it would be good to have about, I don't know, 70 or, 70 or 80 of those ready. Oh, God. Well, I think I'm going to have to start getting some uh, advertisers to start paying their bills, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe. Okay, so besides the fact that we could talk all night, it sounds like about just about any any kind of random stuff, I want to get back to a little bit of the mototype stuff. One of the things I mentioned while we were trying to get everything kind of centered and, and back into a good Zen area uh, is the linkage guard that you helped create or that you created and had Fastway help you kind of uh, produce. Now, I want to know about this fun adventure that you had where you decided you needed to make said link, uh, said linkage guard. Well, yeah, it was you know, it was one of those inventions I think that came out of necessity, and it was either that or break my wrist. But we uh, we grabbed a brand new eleven KTM three hundred and fifty SXF and headed for the mountains. And I think it was the first morning that we were up riding it with my buddy Tester Tim, who I ride with all the time up there. You know, I just went to wheelie a log, and it was a it was a wet green log, and I stuck the linkage into it so hard that I just flipped over the handlebars, landed on my head, and you know, I looked back, and, and the bike was still sitting in the log, straight up and down. So, I'm like, <laughs> well, that that didn't happen last year when there was no linkage. So, what was the deal? And uh, that night, over a few adult beverages, uh, literally scratched it out on a piece of paper. And, uh, you know, we were, we were really busy with a lot of different projects. So that piece of paper sat on my desk for a good year, 13 months, and finally uh, was able to dig into it. So I, I prototyped it. I designed it, prototyped it, had a prototype made here locally in Phoenix and bolted it on and, you know, had a bunch of guys ride it. And it looked like it had some, you know, some merit. But, I mean, I'm not a CNC guy and I'm not an engineer. So... Um, Lynn Hodges and the Fastway crew have been a good supporter of Still Performance for years. When we had our KTM satellite team, they stepped up and really helped us. So I felt like he was the go-to guy. So we called him up, and 
I met with them at uh, at X Games in in uh, 2011, and you know we put our heads together on the thing, and they had some great ideas, and I had some additional ideas, and they have some fantastic uh, uh, equipment and engineers there. So you know that's really how it came to be was just one of those uh, one of those ideas that that turned into something from you know something bad, which was me about breaking my neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, nobody nobody wants that because apparently like like very. Recently, you have been putting uh, your name has been all over the place, and you've been putting a lot of uh, contributions uh, into the off-road world, especially when it comes to you know helping out guys like Cody Webb and Max Gerson. So the last thing we want is you to have a broken neck. Um, it's I, I have uh, actual I have the linkage guard and I have the pro version, and I like to call them chips, the adjustable chips. But you guys like to call them pucks. That's fine. We can figure it out. And I'm a mountain. I come from the mountain bike world, so that's where I call. That's why I call them that. But so you have adjustable pucks. That allows you to change the head angle um, ever so slightly, uh, millimeters at a time, if you chose. But you have four uh, adjustments. Now, was this something that you kind of thought of right off the bat, or did you make this whole linkage guard and then go, "Holy crap, we can also make some geometry changes too"? Well, I th- I think that the KTM's in some circumstances <clears throat> for some riders, you know, different parts of the country can benefit from that. So I had an idea that. I'd like to have something that, you know, was adjustable. And when I sat down and talked to Lynn, ironically, he had done something on the adjustment side similar back in 05 on some CRF. So it was one of those meeting in the minds that was like, hey, that's that's a good idea. So maybe we can put our heads together and develop this thing further and, and get what I wanted out of it with some technology that he already had. And it worked out beautifully. So um, we've evolved that into the CRF linkage guards, which we're, we're just getting back from anodizing right now. That's also adjustable, Brian. And then we've got the beta guards as well yeah. that the new generation beta guard will be the same way. So yeah, it's, you can get the best of both worlds. You know, the, these bikes for the extreme guy that's pounding through rocks, pounding through, uh, logs and stuff, you know, you're going to bend your shock shaft sooner or later. We're seeing it. We, we do two to three a month here at Stillwell where, uh, you know, guys are bringing them in and there's oil spewing out of the bottom of the shock shaft and they just, it, it doesn't even really take a big hit. So you get the protection and you get some adjustment out of it. And for, you know, vertically challenged guys and gals, we're selling a lot of them for, uh, you know, it's the seat lowering and the motocross guys have discovered it as well because a lot of guys are, you know, they're hucking 90, 100 foot tables and, and uh, doubles and you come up soft on a short landing and you're digging that linkage into the into the sand or, you know, the landing area. So it, it just effectively acts as an extension of your skid plate. Yeah, I think what I just took away from that is that no one wants a bent shaft. That's 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 what I got out of that whole thing. No, and I, it's it's interesting because you're absolutely right in the sense that uh, I uh, we had a Toro. I was either a Toro race or a TCCRA race here locally in Texas um, at Brian Story's farm. Uh, one of the guys has been on the show a couple times. Awesome dude. He's going to be over at the ISDE, and they had found this spot in his property they hadn't used in a very very long time, and there was an old fridge. So I'm watching these guys go over this fridge, and all of a sudden. Right when I turn my head and my camera, of course, I just hear the whack and the oh and and turn around and, and I get the last end of it is a guy going over the handlebars, and I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, I don't know. And he was on a KTM. He's like, I don't know. It just like stopped, and it was he was like his first lap out on his like brand new 2013, even though it happened in 2012, and he totally caught that link that his uh, shock shaft, if you will, 
um, on that fridge and just sent his ass over the handlebars. So it sounded like uh, he, uh, he he experienced the same thing that you did. Yeah, well, pain, pain happens when that happens. As long as you learn from it and possibly make a design which then cost, uh, gives you a lot of money, you're like, it was totally worth it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, maybe the OEMs will see the error of their ways, and we, we've got a patent on it. So, you know, it's an 866 number. Give us a call. Right? Yeah. There you In case you're wondering how your team could possibly take advantage of these, you can call us at Stillwell Performance. There the you number go. will be down below. <laughs> I like it. Same, and you just shameless plug, right? Yeah, and it, well we need to make an extension that is kinda like a like a click tag where somebody says, Oh, we came from seat time, so it's like, oh no, and that way we can make like ten percent off every I think that's a it's more than, you know, usable. I'm in. You can totally pay us, that's fine. Um it happen. Yeah, it could happen. Uh, so I'm using the Linkage Guard. I love it. One of the things that I noticed off of the 2000, so I have a 2013 300XC. When I got on that bike, just set the sag, did a little bit of setup, and I was like, holy shit, why am I riding a couch? And I talked to Brian Story, and he's like, yeah, you know, ever since they kind of do the linkage, they, they ride a little bit more like a chopper. Well, now that I have that linkage guard, I figured out, I don't remember which setting I have it in now, but I found a setting that makes it ride a little bit higher, so it feels more like the, the PDS um, even though it's, it has linkage now. So that's that's where I love the fact that I don't have to worry about, you know, catching my shaft and anything. And also, at the same time, I have a bike that has more geometry, geometry that feels a little bit more like the PDS. So you have, uh, you've, you've made a happy customer, and I'm pleased to have bought one. It's fantastic. It's all good, man. We're here for you. I like it. Um, so I noticed on your website too, you said that you now have like a pro line of products. Like, what is that? I want to know what a pro line of products mean. Well, you know, we've done suspension for a long time and I, I saw some areas where I thought, again, I could offer something. So we did some development on valving pistons and bladder kits and, uh, just some basic stuff, you know, a good sag scale probably. And, and I'm sure we're going to get to this, but you know, the number one call we get here uh, for problem solving is guys that just they can't seem to get their sag where they want it or or they can't seem to get an accurate reading on it so you know I just did up a sag scale that has one millimeter increments on the readout from 100 to 120 so it's a simple thing but it's you know there's some value out there and we sell a lot of them so um, we'll continue to do that I, I'm kind of digging the whole inventing things you know it's uh, it's something I never thought like you know, you're walking around with your suit and tie and your briefcase 20 years ago that, that you would get into. But I really enjoy that side of it. And uh, it's cool to work with a lot of good riders because, you know, they have a lot of input and they have a lot of ideas. These kids are smart and they, they know how they want the bike to feel. And so, you know, we take that and, and go back to the drawing board and see if we can come up with things that, that are valuable to the, to the rider and the customer. And it seems like that's worked pretty good so far. Right. Interesting. Okay, you bring up a really good point um, when it comes to like uh, questions like how do I set my sag? What's a good sag setting? All that kinds of fun stuff. Um, it, it really, I know we talked about this a little bit, it, it, but it, I want to know more about what it takes for someone like myself who's a decent rider. I could go out and I can turn some okay laps on whatever I'm out on, but at the same time, I'm not going to be a professional. You know, I'm a fast expert rider at best. Um, I want to come to you, and I want you to do my suspension, and I want to be able to give you good feedback. Now, what to you, as the person that's doing the suspension tweaking, is good feedback, usable feedback from a rider 
that you can then make adjustments that they're going to notice um, when they're kind of, I guess, really fine-tuning suspension. Yeah. You know, it, honestly, it's a moving target because you can take yourself and your 300XC and two other guys the same weight, the same speed, and you may end up with three distinctly different settings. So you have to really take a lot of time to talk to the customer, and that's really what we're known for. Our hallmark is we, we really drill down to a pretty pretty detailed level with the customer on what exactly is it they're looking for, what's the feedback they're getting from the bike, where in the country do they ride, how much do they sit down, how old are they. You know, a lot of questions that I think a lot of guys out there are, are not asking, and I think they should be. So in your case, you know, solid expert guy, right, obviously a vet, maybe close to senior would from what I'm seeing. Hey, it's, <laughs> so what, what you're saying is the gray hair starting to show up in the mustache? Is that what's happening? Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, That's so, all right. You know, so we, we look at that stuff because, right, I mean, I'm 50. I grew up in my riding style. You know, I, I ran a good expert pace back in the day. And uh, my riding style is different than, you know, like last Tuesday, Max and I went out and rode after a rain. It was one of those epic days. And I was not only is he fast as a bullet these days, but you know I just noticed his riding style is is just so much different than that era of rider that grew up, you know. And we grew up on different bikes too. So I guess to answer your question is, you have to spend a lot of time drilling down. I mean, I had a customer call me tonight and and just right when we were closing and say, hey, I got a fourteen two fifty XCW and it feels like a hobby horse going through the whoop de doos what do I do? So, you know, I think part of the problem is, is that what, you know, what size hobby horse are you riding versus the next guy right. that's going to call? But essentially, it really comes down to just, you almost have to be a psychiatrist. I, I My buddies joke all the time because, you know, I, I spend half my time trying to decipher the language that they're trying to tell me about um, what's going on with their bike. So, you know, you can say it. it's pogoing or it's kicking or it's bouncy or it's uh, mushy or, you know, there's there's a million acronyms to describe it. So um, I think really taking the time to understand your bike and understanding what the clickers do, make sure you get your sag set, all the basics. Right. So a lot of guys are calling because this new KTM 4CS fork is out, right? It has a different feel to it. Is it better? Is it worse? Well, you know, we're testing on it. We tested last year, and we'll have our conclusions made. But right now, guys are like, man, it, you know, it doesn't feel that great. I thought it was going to be this wonderful thing, and it, it's so far it's not. Well, maybe it's just set up, or maybe it needs a revalve or springs or oil. Or, you know, at this point, it's, uh, you know, guys are really scratching their head because it's not the typical closed cartridge, open cartridge. It's really something hybrid between the two. But if you distill it down, and we've actually got a document on our website that you can go and click on and get free, and it's a suspension tuning guide. And basically what it does is it, it distills down to the very, very basic, something that a guy can shove in his backpack or his fanny pack, go out to his local track or trails, and within a quarter of a mile running back and forth about a dozen times, really get a feel for what does my suspension do stock? What does it do when it's full soft? What does it do when it's full hard? But, you know, there, there's things. That's when you're uh, hoping you don't bend your shaft. I'm telling you, a bent shaft is one of the worst things in life. When it's fully hard, you don't ever want to get a bent shaft. It's true. It's true. 
And I know for you, it's hard enough to just get there. So yeah, I know. You got that right. Three kids later, it's like, what the hell happened? I was just practicing over here. <laughs> yep, I hear you there, man. So, you know, I was going to bring this up that I worked with Shane Watts for a number of years, and, and we went to uh, a GNCC in Florida, and I was down there. So, you know, I stuck a sign in the ground at his pit because he was still quite a draw at that time for the spectators. And come on by, we'll set your sag. Well, you know, in about three hours, we did – Man, I don't know. Maybe it was four hours, but we did you know a number of bikes, probably 50, 60 bikes, and only one of them had the sag set correctly, and that guy didn't even realize it was it was correct. So I guess the advice I would I would give to guys that you know they're uncreating a new bike or or they're trying to get their old one to work or anything in between is you know go to your manual and look at look at the basics and and really take the time to get the sag right and make sure that you've got the right springs on the bike. That's probably the second most common call we get is, hey, my bike's doing this. Um, whether it's stock or revalve doesn't matter, but you know, after setting the sag, that'll give you your magic number, whether it's uh, right or wrong on, on spring rates and so forth. So you know, taking the time to just dial in the basics, get your springs right, get your oil heights right, and then go out and spin some clickers. It uh, it can make a, a remarkable difference without you know having to spend thousands. Right. And then if, you know if you still want some help, here we are. Bam! I like it's like so. I'm gonna give you advice, and this advice is to do the basics, and then after that, you should probably call me in case you don't one understand the basics, or two, you want more than the basics, which is I think a, a valuable valuable uh, way to treat your customers. Um, I what I so. What I'm going to take away from that is when, not if, when I call you and I, I either choose to have a new bike later on or I'm getting my suspension redone from you or whatever it is, uh, when I call you, I think one of the things I'm going to need to realize is that I probably talk, I, I use X, these descriptive words, and so I need to figure out, it's like, do I use the word kick, do I use the word bounce, do I use the word you know soft, hard, too much, or whatever, so that we could find a good, uh, a good, a good way to conversate when we're actually talking about suspension, so that you know, when I say kick, I may not mean kick what you know the faster pro guy means when he says kick. So then it sounds like there's a really, you know, you really need to have that communication level with the the, the people that you're working with when they're working on working on your suspension and probably other parts of the bike too, I would imagine. I think we're losing our connection again, Brian. I can see your mouth moving, but I can't hear you. Well, that's okay. I think what I said sounded right, and I'm just going to go with it. Uh, <laughs> How about I just answer, yeah, that's exactly right, man. You're brilliant. Yes! Yay! Winner again! Gosh, man, Tuesday nights are so good because I get everything right. I mean, technically it's my show, so I guess it really doesn't matter, but at the same time. That's why I sent you keeping pin stickers in advance. <laughs> yep. Oh, and that's what sucks. It's like we wound up having to use, uh, which Steven's going to get one, by the way, because if there's anybody in this life that keeps it pinned, it's this guy. That's why we have him as our producer. He can't be on the show because he's more interject than I am. It's just kind of ridiculous. Um, and that's, that's an unfortunate lie. Um, so we did get a question uh, from the chat room, and that is, is it easier to work on air forks or conventional forks? Um. That's a good question. You know, we've done a, a number of the CRFs and the KXFs, and I mean, physically, is it easier to work on them, take them down, do some tuning? Yeah, they're they're simpler in that. You know, you just you have less parts. But um, I think the jury's still out. You know, for motocross, I think there's a lot of good guys, good tuners out there. 
and I, I've watched the bikes on the track at the Nationals. Of course, a lot of that's factory stuff, but you know, I think there's a good baseline. The we set up some bikes early on. Um, actually, took Max out and did a bunch of testing on a, one of the first CRF 450s that came out, and I was impressed with it. So. Is it easier to work on physically? Yeah. Is it easier to tune? Um, you have some different factors involved. You know, now you're dealing with air pressures for a spring force. So that's something that, that heats up. Like out here in Arizona, the first day that we tested it was almost 100. And we took off at 4 o'clock. And within an hour, we had four more pounds in the, you know, in the fork. So I think, I think you're chasing that a little bit. But um, I like them. I, uh, I, you know, the way they follow the ground is really good. Uh, air as a spring is really progressive. So in in some cases, better than a spring. So I think they have a lot of uh, a lot of capabilities. I like the setting that we have on them for off road, and I think that's been an area where a lot of tuners just have been struggling. So yeah, I'm I'm thumbs up on them for sure. I think that they'll only get better. I know Show has been working with different chambers and if you look at Villapoto's bike at the Nationals he actually had three air chambers in his forks so will that trickle down to a production bike maybe not just because of the cost but the idea is good for sure but right. you know I go back I go back to what 1976 when we had two huge air bottles on top of our YZ forks so it's not a new idea right it's yeah. like bell bottoms, man. I'm telling you, when the bell bottoms and the mullet come back, I'm gonna rock that stuff. Yeah, you're like, sweet. Those pictures, I'm <laughs> posting them on Facebook because I was there first, man. That's right. It's so good. <laughs> well, uh, again, like it's just because of the fact of being a, a past bicycle mechanic and being in that industry for so long. I remember that, you know, being 14 years old and I don't know, shoot, in the late 80s, and uh, you know, it was like elastomer suspension, and you saw those random weird guys. That are over there with their little air stuff, and everybody's like, "Ah, pfft, that's never going to take off." But it's just because of the f- it's guys like that that create the ability to then learn, and other people get in there and they start messing with it, and they're like, "Oh, you need this seal. Oh, okay, that seal doesn't work. Well, maybe try this bladder system instead of what you're using as an air chamber." And that's where everything kind of goes. And I think that we're for whatever reason twenty years behind the curve. Um, on the mountain bike world, but yeah, I mean, like it's there, it works. It's just that we're going to have to keep keep working at it we can't say right now oh it doesn't work everybody put it back on the shelf because then it'll never be its best and then then it'll never be standard yeah no you're right on the mountain bike thing because i'm a i'm a fledgling mountain bike rider right i went out and i I got a pretty high-tech bike and i'm totally digging it but when we went to the sacramento enduro cross last year because of our race team relationship with fox we stopped in at the factory and uh did a tour of it and you know, it's ironic because as good as their Fox motorcycle shocks are, it represents about 5% of their business. Yeah. And if, mountain if, bikes, I, if, if even that much. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if that. If that. So, you know, as, uh, as Neezer, my contact at Fox, took us around and showed us the factory, I'm snapping pictures and looking at the dynos and all this stuff. And then we walked into the mountain bike um, the R&D technology room, and he said, you can't take pictures in here. And the stuff I saw that they're developing for mountain bikes and how just how extreme and advanced that is, you know, it was a mind, just a mind blower for sure. So it really opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, you have to reach out beyond the motorcycle world and, and take a look at different technologies. And so, you know, we look at stuff in the F1 world. We look at stuff in mountain bikes, snowmobiles. I, I grew up riding snowmobiles, was in Colorado for decades. So, you know, 
Um, Fox pretty much owns that. So our relationship with them has really blossomed to the point where still will be performance has become the biggest Fox motorcycle shock dealer in the in the country. And so we're sharing stuff at a factory level. You know, Cody lives literally down the street from them in, in Watsonville, and that's also where their factory is. So it's that's been exciting. It's been really cool. Um, got to check it out. You know, Max had the super pump going on the whole day. That was awesome. <laughs> right. Um, I, I'm super stoked to see Fox uh, really kind of start to put their foot more in the door um, in the in the mount, in the dirt bike world um, because of the fact they do such a fantastic job in the mountain bike world, and I know that kind of world. I, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be awesome, and um, I want to go to this place that you're talking about this this Fox headquarters mecca heaven place and uh, be able it's... be able to be in a place where they say don't take pictures, and I'm like, yeah, you got it. I'm yeah, here. yeah, it was it was cool. I'm I'm a total groupie after seeing what they're working on. So you know that's that's it's all good. Yeah. Well, um, we, we mentioned obviously we've talked a little bit about Cody Webb and Max Gersten, how that's kind of uh, you work with them. But the way that you work with them is your team manager of the Stillwell Performance kind of factory beta race team. Um, you guys do a lot of enduro cross and hard enduros and things like that. Not just in the states, but obviously. Uh, Cody's gone over to Hell's Gate and uh, done really well this past year. Um, so, how is that kind of working? You know, we could talk about betas too. I think that there's a lot there, but you know, with with those guys and the racing that's been going on, it sounds like that you guys are really starting to kind of create more than just a moto shop that does some suspension work. I I, I feel. Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, because. We we went racing with KTM in '09 and again in, in '10, and that was a that was a self-funded, still performance effort. And then in '11, we did get some uh, factory support with bikes and parts and so forth, and and that that went very well. So my intention going into '12 was to you know renew with those guys and and expand it. And it was ironic because I I met with Auntie the team manager from factory KTM the morning of the, of the Vegas Enduro cross and had all intentions of, you know, re-upping with those guys. But I'd also been talking with Tim Pilds, president of American beta. And, uh, I'd gotten to know Cody during the season, him and his dad had come over and, you know, they're trying to sort the bike out. And, and, uh, so I helped him with just some basic suspension settings, but I, I started watching Cody and I was just flat impressed with the raw talent this kid has. You know, he was at that point on a dirt bike for maybe a little over a year and coming out of the trials world and he's just hitting stuff and hucking stuff that, you know, Taddy wasn't doing. So I started paying attention to that and the bike, you know, I hadn't ridden one, but it it looked pretty good. It needed some upgrades on some certain things to race at the the top of the pro level. So um, Tim had called me and said, hey, you know, we're looking to do a factory level effort and your name keeps coming up every time I keep looking for somebody. So would you, would you meet with me? So we sat down after Vegas and I, I'm, to be honest with you, I didn't think he was, you know, was serious. And we had a good deal on the table with KTM. I was looking for riders for the next year. And, uh, so we talked more and, uh, was able to get a better look at the bike. And he shared some things about what were coming in the future. And I thought, you know, this is, it's a risk. It's it's probably more of a risk for Stillwell than it is for Beta, but I really liked him. I liked the bike, and I really wanted to work with Cody. Yeah. So Cody was contracted for the next two years, and so that's really how the deal came across. 
And at the same time, I'd begun to help Max Gersten, and he that year he won the amateurs. I really liked Max. Liked his, you know, he's a great kid. Just gobs and gobs of talent. Good family. Awesome dad. You know the whole thing. And to to me, that's as important as anything else. Is you know, I want to work with kids that are the right kids, you know, and they're racing for the right reasons and they got the good attitude and they put in the work and so forth. So, you know, I saw that in both Cody and, and Max and so the the deal came together and we became still Performance Factory Beta for twelve and then uh, we re upped again for thirteen and it's it's really coming together. You know, they they launched their two strokes, which uh, for a first year bike, you know, have uh, have really taken a lot of people by storm. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, I think it, it, it feels a little bit like, okay, so we were talking about my friend Zach Huberty a lot, but, uh, him and I have a lot of moto conversation throughout the day. So it kind of, it makes sense, but he was like, Oh, did you see the new Sherco two strokes? And I was like, yeah, I was like, but I think if I were to get a new two, if I were to get like a new two stroke and go out of my realm, I would then go, I would get a beta. I would, I think the 2014 beta looks fantastic. I would totally get that if I was in the market for just like, let's change it up. Let's get a brand new bike. But then I was like, but parts you know all that kinds of stuff i was just like i don't know it's like you know is beta beyond where ktm was 20 25 years ago where ktm had a great bike but you couldn't get parts you know what i mean like so i i that was my skepticism and so you know being that you're a beta dealer and that you deal with these bikes and stuff like that what is the distribution like in that sense like can people get parts well how do they get over here from europe do they have a lot of the same problems that ktm did did they learn from ktm's mistakes you know what i mean like Yeah. No, I, I got you on that, you know, and that's something we thought about too. I mean, I'm not actually a beta dealer, okay, but um, I run the amateur support program for them this year. And I beta, it's, it's really interesting. They're, they're a, a smaller company. They're out of Florence, Italy. They're like the, you know, the newest old company. I just read a dirt ride or, or dirt bike article on Max um, this weekend. And, you know, it was a great phrase. They're like the newest 100 year old company in the, in the dirt bike business. So they, you know, they started building scooters and then they built trials bikes and, and then they got into the enduro and extreme scene and they're doing it right. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what I see. The quality of the product is, is equal or better to anything out there. I mean, my guys beat the living crap out of everything and these bikes last. They, they last. We, we have other than parts that they bend from either crashes or just, you know, riding them four or five days a week, the bikes are fantastic. Um, I think that like any growing company, you know, there's challenges with you can always have more dealers. And one of the top calls I get is, hey, I, I want to buy a beta. You know, where would you suggest I go? But I can tell you that American Beta is invested heavily. Their parts and distribution is is very, very good. Parts aren't an issue for these bikes. We just had a customer from Hawaii send his cylinder head and suspension over from a 250RR and, you know, he dropped a part down in the cases and stuff like that. So we needed all these gaskets and boom, you know, you make a phone call or go online and, and they're there. So I don't really see the issues that KTM has. Um, Beta's philosophy is, I think, very uh, conservative. You know, they didn't make a whole lot of changes to the 14s, but if you look really close, the, the changes and upgrades they made, especially in their two strokes, were all things that'll make it a better motorcycle. They so were, they, were, they were all the right changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, refinements, right? And and that goes along with I think that philosophy of we're going to really grow the company and uh, and do it in the right way, rather than if you think back to the CRFs, 
they were a wild, wild um, success, but they flooded the market with them. There were some issues on the 250s with valves and things like that. And I, I just don't think you're going to see it with these guys. They've been around a long time. They know how to do business. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, it's been a wonderful, pleasant surprise working with them. The communication is good. The motorcycle is uh, is fantastic. Cody and Max love the two strokes, and their their style of how they deliver power to the ground and and how uh, you know just how the motorcycle turns and works. It's wonderful to work on from a suspension and setup perspective because it's an easy bike to make phenomenal. Huh. Um, I. I- We've obviously just drilled on the two strokes just recently, and it makes me go, you know what? I think that the Europeans completely realized that there is a there's still an American budget or uh, there's there's an American arena for buying two strokes. Um, when the hell are the Japanese going to realize that they made the biggest mistake by dropping two strokes, like and actually bring them back? Like I mean, it seems like because you got got you got all kinds of European manufacturers now just funneling money into the american market to try to make people realize like we still make two strokes and we make a fan it's not just a two stroke it's a great two stroke um yeah so when do you think that we're gonna do you think we're gonna see the the japanese being like oh well we should probably put another two stroke back out you know brian i hope so because i i was a huge cr250 guy for a long time i grew up racing two strokes so personally I'd love to see you know a fresh YZ250, a brand new CR250. The R, the RM250 was a fantastic bike, and so was the KX. You know, it was all good yeah. back in the glory days and stuff. But I'll tell you, the American two-stroke rider is by far the most fanatical guy or gal out there, and I, I can see it. You know, I, we see a lot of privateers that are out there trying to get to the races. They're calling for some help. You know, they're literally trying to to fund their effort and they're going back to two strokes because they've all blown up a four stroke and the bill's two grand. Right. So, and you know, you like, for example, um, Max rides the heck out of his 300 and then he's been flogging my 250 lately, but (laughs) that jerk, (laughs) that that was the bike that ended up in dirt bike because we happened to have his down for, you know, piston and rings, but you start measuring this stuff up still within tolerances and he could have run, you know, another month or so on it. So, you start thinking about the average guy or gal out there that's, you know, they're working 40 hours a week and they want to go enjoy their sport. A two-stroke makes a lot of sense, and they, they're great. They run good. They turn good. They handle good. Suspension's good. Whether it's a Yamaha, you know, uh, any of the KTMs or, or the Betas, it's just you're a winner if, if that's the way you choose to go. So, I mean, I'm a little biased because I grew up racing them. And, right. You know, I, I like them a lot better than the four strokes just to ride long. You know, I typically like to ride the long 100-mile days if I can in Colorado, and that's that's just good. Nice. Well, I think uh, I know that we always like to try to keep it around about an hour, and we've kind of hit that point, but I'm not totally going to cut it off because I did have a couple more bits of funness that I wanted to talk about. So Steven, our producer, is a very big UTV activist. Um, and so as you and I were discussing things before we came on the show – I noticed that you guys are kind of trying to get into that UTV realm. So, being that Stephen likes to go out in his little razor, is it a razor, Stephen? Yeah, it's a razor. It's a razor. razor okay, so razor he S. the razor S. Okay, so he likes to go out and goof around on that. But look, so thinking of him, a guy that just has one, likes to go out and goof off with it in different places. What kind of things are you guys going to offer for him, or are you guys kind of more working towards like the racing market of the UTV world? 
No, no, I, you know, I got into the UTVs about a year ago. I'm totally addicted to it. It's uh, <laughs> good because we are it's too. <laughs> really cool because, you, you know, finally you can uh, you can talk to somebody about what you love to do off road, or you can now throw them in the seat next to you and go, hey, let's go for a rip. So that part of it's been cool. Um, you know, I know you follow us on Facebook, and we're always going, hey, we're making the Cave Creek Run on Saturday night. You know, you can leave from my house ride 25 miles through the desert at night with all your buddies and their UTVs and their families and all their friends, everybody's piles in and, you know, go out for dinner. So it's, it's opened this, it's opened my eyes to a whole new world and suspension wise, the things need some help for sure. So, you, you know, you got Fox shocks on them. We're a Fox shock dealer. That was an obvious one. So we started upgrading shocks and now we're moving into a lot of the customization that the, the real hot thing right now for UTVs is Somebody's going to go drop twenty grand on a UTV, and then they're going to throw another three, four, five, eight, ten thousand at it to customize it. And uh, we love it. You know, it's yeah. great. So we're doing a, we're doing a bunch of that kind of work. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a whole other you know realm of of being off road and having fun. And I, I I don't want to say with age comes the cage because I'm trying to still get out there and rip it on the two stroke and you know on those long rides, but. Uh, it's it's a great way on Friday night to pile your friends or your family or you know your gal or whatever in there and go hey let's let's go for dinner and have a beer and they can enjoy the same thing that they've heard you talk about for you know for years so yeah. I'm a fan so we, we're specializing in uh, pretty much anything custom people will bring us their UTVs and they mean they may want suspension roll cages uh, doors windshields a lot a lot of basically bolt-on stuff, but what I've noticed is that there's really not a, a lot of technology and a lot of expertise out there on how to get them to work well. So we're doing a lot of testing on them ourselves. We're out riding ours you know, every weekend and, and working with, uh, with a lot of customers to get them to, to, to work right. It's a new market. Um, actually, you know, after the Ontario Endurocross this weekend, Max and uh, his dad Marshall and I are going to hoof it down to Costa Mesa and go to the Sandsport show which is one of the biggest shows in the country for UTVs. And I really want to just get my finger on the market. Um, we're moving into a bigger facility. We're going to be able to work on a number of them at one time. And it's pretty exciting. So, yeah, dude, it's uh, it's something that you should get out and rip in because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's like when we were out doing some video work over at, uh, like I said, Brian Story's property. We had so much fun. We were like, man, we need to bring the, the dang UTVs out here and just like just go crazy because – you know, you, you don't have to feel all geared up and all that stuff. You can put your like four point, five point harness on and just yeah, wrap and just goof off. So, yep. my second question before we wrap things up is, well, this is a two parter. This is a two parter. I'm not gonna lie. So it's my second of three. Um, is how close are you to Vegas? How close am I to Vegas? Yes. Um, if we take the Sprinter five hours, if we take some other type of vehicles, we can get there in four. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that goes over 80, you can get there in four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got some buddies, you know, and one's BMW driver and one's a Lotus driver. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it, appears, it appears to be a special test more than a drive sometimes, but it's a good time. <laughs> you know, it's a good time. I like it. No, that's fine. Okay, so the, the second part of my two-part question then is, what is your week before – the enduro cross final in vegas looking like and if we decided to come up and do some suspension testing with you do some video work and stuff like that how keen would you be on 
um, a fun little adventure like that. Yeah, come on up. You know, we we've uh, we've got the team running really smooth. It's mid season, so all our testing is done. The bikes are solid. Um, I just sent Max home from work with you know new foot pegs, and I'm sorry, my shop puppy Dallas is kicking the computer here, but. Um, you know, it's it's pretty calm, actually. I mean, I, I got to throw a shout-out to Max's dad, Marshall. He's a huge part of the team, makes sure the sprinter gets where it needs to go, and, you know, he, he's just got his stuff wired tight. So things are, are pretty smooth. It's, uh, it's a lot more hectic before the first couple races because we're trying to get the van packed. We're trying to get our spares in place and make sure um, we're ready for it. It's much more hectic this year since they've put in the hot lap right before the main. Oh, I bet. Because, well, you think about it, you know, you bust a case, you have about 10, 12 minutes to get that bike to the line. The first race in Vegas, Cody was the second to last one because he was second in points, so we went second to last. And so after he came off the track, I grabbed the bike, we ran it back to the pits, hosed it off, gave it a splash of gas, gave it a once-over, make sure the rotors are straight, everything's good rode it back into the stadium and he was already standing in his spot, you know, behind the line and they were ready to throw the 32nd board. So that was a big eye opener. And, uh, so, you know, we make sure the backup bike is, uh, is ready. And we spend a little bit of time on that because that's also the test, the test bed bike around here that we're testing stuff on. So other than that, yeah, come on up, man. We'll, we'll go for a rip. We'll spin some clickers and we'll call it good. I like it. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, Steven and I are trying to do a little bit more is we really have a lot of fun on the side doing video work. Uh, Steven is an, a, a, a very, very talented motion graphics artist. And so we're kind of, we really want to do more of that. And if we could make it, you know, find a way to make it to Vegas to be able to do maybe a seat time show or something with all the riders out there, then I'd say, shoot, if we're doing it, we might as well go, you know, see you guys on the way and just make a whole adventure out of it. So. Yeah, we you know we between guys coming out to test and hang out and just stay here for a week or so at a time and guys passing through. We had Lance Bryce and the the VP of marketing come out for a few days and and uh, you know we we went and had a lot of fun, did some razor riding and uh, you know talked some crap, drank some beers and I mean that's what it's all about. You know we're we're racing at the top of the sport for sure. It's very serious on race day, but the the coolest thing about off road and enduro cross to me is that. Um, these guys, you know, they're not afraid to throw an elbow in each other's face, but when the race is over, they're still buddies and, uh, that it's, it's kind of a tribe, you know, that goes from race to race. And I really look forward to it. I look forward to the social aspect of it. I have like most of my friends are in the racing world and business and it's just cool. So yeah, come on up. We'll, uh, we'll hang out. We'll have some fun, tell some lies, ride some dirt bikes and I, I I can bench race really good. Like, I believe that. I'm a fast bench racer. I it's, believe it's that. Awesome. You can, you can hang, here, you can hang out with Shop Puppy Dallas. Woo-hoo! She's fully pinned right now. Yeah. <laughs> she I, is. I, I, yeah, me fully pinned is pretty much when my wife tells me I need to go to sleep. It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's the complete opposite. I am the guy that everybody's like, can you get him to leave? Is that, is that possible? So it happens, yeah. but it's okay. Well, cool. Well, we're definitely looking forward to it. So tell us. I know you just put up a new website. Give us the URL or any other kinds of fun stuff out there where people can reach out and get in touch with you. Yeah, we we did. We just launched a new website. Big, big, big props to uh, to my recent college graduate graduate daughter Brittany Stillwell, who's really spearheaded the whole thing and put in just a ton of hours. And we launched a brand new website. It's still StillwellPerformance.com. 
Uh, we've got a full online store on there now. You can buy SP Pro line products. You can also buy, you know, 50 products from uh, just to start from a lot of our uh, sponsors, race team sponsors, and and so forth. And we're going to continue to grow that. That's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I was just, you know, just waiting for Britt to graduate college because I just couldn't do it on my own. <laughs> so she's, she's totally pinned it for about the last two months. And, uh, you know, I know I drive her crazy because I'm always in, in her grill with something. Hey, do this. We need this and all that. But, yeah, it's super, super cool. And she goes to the races with us. She does all our PR and media and social media at the races for us, all the pit reporting. So uh, you can also check us out online at uh, – uh, Facebook slash stillwellperformance.com if you want to follow the races and the team. Um, besides Factory Beta, we've got a number of the, you know, the top guys. I do the suspension for Factory Husky with Corey Grafunder, Jeff Aaron, Kyle Redman, Brian Roper, Wally Palmer. Always a treat to work with him. Louise Forsley, uh, Nicole Bradford, as soon as she heals up. Manny Mastin's going to ISDE. So we have about 25, 30 sets of suspension on, on sponsored riders' bikes running around at any time. And um, yeah, so it's all good, man. Dig it. Well, as uh, as they say, and as your sticker says, keep it pinned. Um, and thanks for being on the show. Uh, I I love suspension. Doing it in the mountain bike world blew my mind. Uh, when it gets bigger, it's just like going to a car. Sure, I can go take my dirt bike apart, and I look at a car, and I get freaked out. It's like ah, it's so much bigger now. It's a motorcycle. So I just kind of like I love this stuff. I want to talk to you more about this. Just when I have random ideas, all that stuff. So appreciate you being on the show. I've learned a lot. Hopefully we can get a lot out there for all of our viewers. And uh, we'll definitely look forward to possibly making it out there uh, in November-ish to uh, to kick it, hang out, and then see what this whole Vegas is all about. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, just uh, just beware, man. Vegas can bite you. But uh, <laughs> yep. it's all good, guys. Hey, keep it pen. Thanks for having us on here. And, and thanks to uh, – you know, at all our followers and supporters, we really, really appreciate it. About eighty percent of our, yeah, about eighty percent of our business is referrals, and uh, we really appreciate that. Absolutely, you got you got to love it when people like you, right? Hell yeah! <laughs> Dig it, cool man. Thank you very much for being on the show. We will definitely talk soon. Peace out. Peace. All right. So of course, as we uh, kind of finish up here with Alan Stillwell, uh, one of our other fantastic supporters of Seat Time is uh, Power Sport Graphics. So you can check them out at RidePG.com. We even have a discount code to make your shopping experience cheaper once you go to the uh, cart and check out and purchase anything you want to have. So the discount code for that is Seat Time. So, but it's not just about saving money. It's about making sure that you have a product that looks awesome and somebody that you enjoy working with. So you can call these guys, you can talk about your artwork and be like, you know, I really want to kind of fix this a little bit, make stuff like that. Um, obviously, you can even save more money if you choose to use their ready-to-ship option, which is available on their website, save up about 40%. They even have same-day shipping if you order before 11 a.m. Eastern time. Um, that's a little early for you guys on the West Coast, but hey, they're East Coast, that's what that's the way it needs to work. So that's what you can do through RidePG. Dot com power sport graphics remember to use the discount code seat time save you some money and enjoy some more of the awesome uh steven i have to say i really enjoyed tonight's show uh, it was a lot of fun we sat here for about an hour and 15 minutes my back is sweaty other parts of me are sweaty um you know but we're gonna get ready because today, i don't know if anybody else realized episode 99 99 not 100 so what does that mean next week is 100 episodes and we have some some pretty big shit planned i try not i try to curse less now 
but I can be honest. We have some pretty big shit planned. Uh, we're going to have an awesome roundtable of some just fantastic uh, local talent, local friends, local beer drinkers and bench racers that want to come talk moto, be on seat time. So it's going to be an hour worth of a very, very large pint full of awesome, completely filled up to the top. Um, so I really hope that everybody remembers to tune in. Um, so where can you find seat time? Seattime.co is obviously the website uh, where you can find all of our archived so- shows. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash seattime. And of course on Twitter. We'd love it if you would tweet us real hard. Um, the hashtag for the show is seattime live. If you've been watching it, you have anything fun. So twitter.com slash seattime underscore CEO. We're on Instagram at seattime. Uh, that's been it. Thanks for being in the chat room, everybody. I really appreciate it. Thanks for watching the show. Thanks for listening if you're not there live. If you're not here live, I promise you, next week is the week to tune in live. 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, Tuesday, September 24th, which is actually my wedding anniversary, and my wife is okay with this. It's a fantastic day in the world. Come back. Remember, this is seat time. Always enjoy a pie full of awesome, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Peace.